thanks for coming. You know, we had, I was expecting, I would have been happy with 20 couples. I don't know if this will work or not. But there are like 90 people here, which is incredible. So thanks for taking a risk on a night when somebody else is watching your kids, you get a low-cost dinner, get to hang out. Uh, and but we really appreciate you being here. I wrote down a couple of things that I have just thought about this week as I was thinking about this event and, and what we want. I guess my perspective, what we'd like Southside to be known for when it comes to marriage. Um, just a couple of lines. We want to be a church where marriage is highly honored, where marriages are healthy, where marriages are long-lasting, where marriages are witness to godly patience, necessary forgiveness, and covenant keeping, and where marriages show the world something beautiful about this God that we serve. Uh, a lot of you in here, I got to do your weddings. And it's such a privilege to be invited into someone's life at that level. And, and, and I appreciate you coming here. And I appreciate um, the way that everybody I know in here that, that I'm involved with, that you work hard at marriage. You know, it's not an easy. What's the Jurassic Park quote over here? Marriage is a walk in the park, you know, Jurassic Park. Um, it's, and that's true. I mean, this is, this is not an easy thing to do. So it's, it's definitely worth it to take a night out, think about marriage, celebrate marriage, Lift marriage up uh, to God to help us out, you know, in what we're doing here. We've invited Joe Donaldson to talk to us just to encourage us in marriages tonight. Uh, I've just met Joe for the first time tonight. We've talked on the phone and emailed back and forth. But uh, Joe's been connected to Southeast Christian Church for many years uh, in a lot of different roles, Bible study leader, spiritual formation director, um, I kind of get the idea he's a specialist when it comes to things like this, retreats, couples retreats, marriage retreats, and even silent retreats and prayer retreats and those kind of things. Uh, he manages uh, what the potter's wheel, and you do a lot of that stuff at Country Lake then. Yep, okay. So if you go online, look up the potter's wheel, you can kind of get a feel for where Joe's heart is and what he loves to spend his time doing. Joe came to us highly recommended by the Neelys and the Kaufmans. Uh, both of them heard Joe speak at an FCA banquet that was primarily for marriages, coaches, and their spouse, spouses. And so that's that's why we ask him here. So Joe, come on up, and we'll turn it over to you. So if this doesn't go well, you can blame the Neelys in the conference. <laughs> so uh, it is an honor to be here and uh, and speak to you and. To Kevin's point, usually crowds like this don't show up, but you didn't know who I was, so I, I can't take credit for that. But uh, I, I was sharing here, I, I'm from Lexington, I went to James Lane Allen and Beaumont and Lafayette and graduated from UK and worked at UK, and about 35 years ago, I moved to Louisville and, and uh, I've lived there since. My family's all still here and stuff, so I, I, I was telling you, I, I used to, one of my favorite running routes went right by Southside Church of Christ right here on Nicholasville Road, so... I feel like y'all are neighbors and, and the like, and uh, so glad to be here. Uh, so uh, along those lines, though, before I get started, or as I get started, I, I, this will sound odd, but I, I want to begin by lowering your expectations. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is this sort of setting where one person talks and other people kind of passively listen. I mean, studies show it's not a real effective means of communication, and in many ways it's kind of hard to retain that. So I'm just going to lower your expectations. So I, I'm going to... And I'm going to encourage you tonight as you walk out to have one thing that you remember, one thing that you can hold on to that, that would be of some use to your marriage. So, I, you know, 
if you brought your spouse here thinking you're going to fix them tonight, it probably won't happen. But, but they're going to walk away with one thing. So that's my challenge, one way thing. And I'll add that challenge as you're driving home, one of you should look at the other one and say, what's your one thing? And then you would share back and forth. So that is it's an easy expectation, one thing that you can take home tonight. And it may be something that's already happened. Maybe something already shared or said. But you like, that's my one thing. So that's my lowering the expectation. The second on the lowering expectation is, uh, uh, well, i got good news and bad news for you. And, and uh, I'll start with the bad news. The bad news is, uh, I don't know what Kevin was looking on on my website, because I'm not a marriage expert in any way, shape, or form. Uh, just to give you a little feel for this, I, I mean, I am married, and uh, but my wife didn't come with me. So you know, that gives you a little feel for that. <laughs> and today is our anniversary, and here I am. So anyway, but, uh, that's OK. Neither one were all that upset. So anyway, so, uh, so, so I'm not a marriage I'm not a counselor. I don't do marriage counseling. Uh, you know, I've I, I haven't written a book. I mean, I've read a few books, but I've never written one. And so I'm not a marriage expert. So that's the bad news. Uh, the, the, but there's good news because because I won't come here with my advice to you as an expert, but I am a decent Bible student, reader of God's Word, and, and I'm a I'm a decent communicator, and so of God's Word, and so. So instead of me giving your my advice from my years of wisdom, I'm just going to go to the Bible and what you know what God says about marriage, and He's the one who designed it. So that seems like a good idea. So instead of getting my advice, I'm going to give you some of His and stuff. And some of you have very rambunctious children. But anyway, uh, so anyway, uh, so um, so uh, yeah, that's going to be your one thing you take home is our children. So. Um, so uh, where were we? I, so so the, the good news is I'm going to speak from God's word, and I'm in a church of Christ. That's a good thing. But there's bad news about that as well because um, and this may surprise people, but the Bible really doesn't have a ton of specific information about marriage. I mean, I mean, a lot in the Bible applies well to marriage, but there's not that much specifically about marriage. And so I'm going to teach you God's word about it, but there's really not that much. But the good news is, there is one particular passage, it, it, it's just a single verse, that uh, is repeated three times, well, four in, in a way, in, in Scripture. It, it's, it's in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, in the beginning in the garden, and then later, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5, which is about marriage, he quotes it, and then Jesus Christ, I think you're familiar with him, he he quotes the same verse in both Matthew and Mark. It's the same story in both Gospels. If, if God put one verse in Genesis 2, has Paul quoted in Ephesians 5, and Jesus represented it twice in the Gospels, it seems to me that would be a pretty good verse for us to learn about. So that's the really good news. It's also there's only going to be one verse for you to worry about tonight. Uh, and some of you already figured out what that verse is. Some of you not, that's okay. But we're going to be in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. If you have your Bible, that's awesome, but you don't need to because there's only going to be one verse. So it's Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Again, it's in the Garden of Eden. Uh, uh, sin hasn't even happened yet, and God's already talking about marriage. And so here we go. Uh, chapter 2, verse 24 says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. For the reason of marriage, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Many of you are very, very familiar with that passage of scripture. Uh, Kevin had mentioned doing weddings. Uh, I almost said, how many of you 
got married, but I, again, it's just married couples. Uh, how many of you in your wedding ceremony there was a unity candle? Just raise your hand if there was a unity candle in marriage ceremony. Okay, okay. Now, so I'm kind of surprised because a lot of you didn't have a unity candle. Uh, and I will say this to those of you traditionalists, the unity candle's gone down in popularity. Uh, did any of you all have the, the pouring sand thing? Anybody have that? Yeah, I got a few of those, and you notice that they're younger and stuff. That's kind of how that works. <laughs> uh, and some of you didn't have anything like that, right? So the, the unity candle is kind of a classic thing within Christian culture. Again, maybe you're all very familiar with it. I think this passage may have been referenced. But you have two candles representing your lives. Many times they're lit by your by your mothers. You know, it's kind of a classic thing. And then at some point in the ceremony, the two of you go back there and you pick up your individual candles and you light one individual candle together and then you set down your candles and many times blow them out and then you have that one candle. That's a beautiful image of two lives functioning on their own come together to make one. It's a nice image. And now the sand thing kind of takes that a step further. you got a container and you, the two people have two different colors of sand and they pour it in and they create this beautiful combination of two different colors of sand. The main advantage with that is you get to take that home and put it up on your mantle and see it. Those are nice images of two lives becoming one. It's what that verse says. Let me ask you this. Uh, those of you, raise your hand again if you had the unity candle. If you had the unity candle. Right. So when you lit that unity candle, was the, 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 at that moment, was there a sense of we are one and we always will be for the rest of our lives? It just like snapped and you became one. No. Thank you very much. And if you said yes, anyway, but it's all over the field. I mean, it just doesn't happen. I mean, it's not an event. Now, when the ceremony was over and you signed the marriage license, you were officially married, but like any candle, didn't officially make you one. Again, it's, it's, it's a nice image of it, but it doesn't make it happen. But becoming one, there's a lot more to it than just lighting the candle. So I, I, so I was trying to think of ways to, because they just, you know, what does that even mean? So I, I'm big on illustrations, and so we're going to try a different illustration. So instead of the unique candle of sand, I, I got two books. They're both just little commentaries written by the same guy, but we got a, a male book and a female book, just for purposes here. And so if, if we want to kind of illustrate the two of them becoming one because they just got married, you know, how would we do that? Well, I mean, you could just kind of stack them together. Let's see, I got a, I got a rubber band, and I put a rubber band around them. Now, now the two have become one. And they, because they're, they're physically close together, if I toss them over there, they, they stay together. And so, sort of like, you know, because, you know, once you're married, you're kind of physically close. Matter of fact, because we're a church and really care about marriage, we're going to put two, two on it. And boy, this is an okay illustration, but it kind of falls short in some ways. How does it fall short? By the way, I do some interaction, and so I'm open to input. And if I get tired of your input, I'll let you know. Uh, so, so how does it, how does it fall short? How are these? Not really one. I mean, they're in close proximity, but you know this. You can be really close to somebody and not be one. That that happens all the time. And, you know, it's pretty easy to take these these rubber bands off, and then you're free to go wherever you want to. So let's come up with a better illustration than that for these two books. Does anybody, again, you're going to look so good. Somebody in this room is going to think of a better way for these two books to become one. How would that be? This gentleman's making hand signals to me back here, and I like that, but, but I don't, I, I'm not, we're not as one, so I don't know what that is. Okay. Somebody over here, you had something? Yeah, putting the pages stacked up. Putting the, putting the pages kind of one at a time. 
like this, sort of, almost like you're doing cards, huh? Have you ever done something like this before? You have? With a phone book. With a phone book? You do this for fun? Okay, okay, okay. So, but actually, what, what this gentleman realizes is, he's what he's saying is put every page together like this. And when you do that, now actually I have, I have a couple books here. Uh, just to let you know, it's Knowing God and the Holiness of God. And I don't think a, a packer or a scroll will be excited about me using these books for this illustration. But but when you put them together, because I just kind of did, you, know, you two guys here, just, just, just grab the grab the corner book and you grab this. No, no, come on, we're going to get into it, sir. Okay. And, and, and try to pull it apart. I mean, really try. I'm not pulling it here. So what's incredible that we got these are incredible. You can't, you all couldn't, it's no insult to you all. You couldn't have pulled these apart. It, it's just the friction of the page on page, make it as one. That, you, you just, you can't pull it apart. So that's a neat illustration. I could just close in prayer right now, but <laughs> you're, you're, you, get, you gotta go pick up your kids at some point anyway, so let's, let's keep going. But that, I think that's a better illustration because those two books are intertwined now. And that's a better picture of becoming one. All right, well, that, that's nice. That's a nice illustration. How do you do that? How, how do two people become one? And again, like I said, it's a nice verse, but there's nowhere after that where God says, and this is how you do it. So my sense is, though, again, just a little bit of standing around and listening and chatting with you. It's a bright group, okay? Uh, so why don't you all do this at your table? Just really quickly, you're just going to brainstorm. You don't have to evaluate. If somebody says something that's a terrible answer, don't tell them that. Okay, it's okay. You're just brainstorming. But I want you to brainstorm at your table. What are some actual, tangible things you could do for the two of you to become become one? What are some things, some actual things? You're just going to brainstorm. So uh, I'm going to give you about three minutes. Good grief, we had a whole group use the bathroom in three minutes. Surely you can have a conversation. So, so I'm going to give about three minutes just to talk at the table, just kind of organize chaos, just just water some brainstorming ideas. And this may be your one thing. So be listening. This, you may get the one thing out of this. And just to share what are some things you can do to help you become one. Go ahead and go. All right. All right. Now, I, I'm sure that the best answer is going to get stated because you're nice and polite, but we will uh, we'll, we'll try to we'll try to do this as best we can. So I, my sense is there's, there's great information on here. We're going to go quickly. So what's going to happen is at your table, you're going to have to just real quickly say, yeah, you had the good one. And we're going to go around and and, uh, and and just one answer from your table. Now, I know that it may feel a little competitive. Don't worry about it. Just somebody from your group is going to, is going to choose, okay? All right? And... Uh, so because you all started to eat first, we'll start with the answers over here. We have the mega table. These are obviously, and we got a pastor and everything. So what do we got the table, number one? One thing to help, one tangible thing you can do to help become one. And so, I mean, you know, life happens, and in those difficult times, 
Many times they either draw closer and remain or it rips people apart. But it, it, it is a powerful time. Thank you. Okay, just stay later. What do you have? Spending time talking and listening. Boom, talking and listening. So both of those would be helpful, you're saying, right? Okay, and so, and so spending time doing that, making a choice to do that. Sometimes in a couple, one's more natural with that than the other, and but you're spending time to do that. Back table, what do we have? Serving together. It's really easy for people to have their own thing, but to actually serve together can be a kind of a powerful shared experience. Okay. Uh, yes, here. No, we did walk. I'm sorry. Up front here. We had uh, spend time together in order to be on the same page. Ah, using the illustration, you're going to spend time together to make sure you're on the same page. They worked at that. I'm on that. They had a good time. Setting some goals. It's, my wife and I are both very phlegmatic, very laid back, and we can just float along. But when you set goals and pursue them as a couple, that can really, that can really bring you together. Maybe that's one. Okay. Uh, yes, sir. This uh, this table here. Compromise. Compromise. Yeah. Because if you're always fighting to win, then you never win. And so compromise is a great way to become one. Right here. I didn't mean to point at you particularly, just at your table. <laughs> yeah. Betty, Betty eating, taking the time to eat together. Taking the time to eat together. Okay. All right. And you're going to do it every day in a way. Why not do it together? Okay. All right. I like that. Yes? Here? Now, this is clearly our most experienced table. Yeah. Okay. So, it's a commitment. Horizontally and vertically. Okay, okay. I mean, again, there's commitment does tend to bring about this unity, and, and they're because see they went spiritual, and you all, and you all, you all, you all didn't think like that. Here you are at church, and so it's a commitment horizontally with each other, but also vertically with God. You know, there's that classic old statement: as the closer you get to God, the closer you get to each other and stuff. So, all right, great thought. Yes. Having sex. <laughs> <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah, so, so the, the, the thing I get to leave, but this poor woman is I mean, she's coming to church tomorrow, you know. Well, maybe not now. I don't know. More about that later. More about that later. I just say that and move on to be clear. Let's say we're here. Doing what your wife tells you to do. Doing what your wife tells you to do. Somebody down there stole our answer. So. Well, I, I, I don't know if these kind of steals kind of a strong word. Uh, <laughs> but you thought like that. Y'all had, y'all had, y'all talk about it, but you got something else. What do you have? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. I, I don't know if there's anything you can do to help you become one more than that. Because unforgiveness is you're never going to become you know, and it's, boy, it's so hard to do that. You know, here's what's interesting to me. Does forgiveness get easier or harder once you get married? Yes, good answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you, know, you know, we're talking about becoming one. I think most couples feel the most one 
while they're dating. Because dating's easy. Because you do do what they say. And you do compromise. You do all that. But then you get married and you're like, well, that's not really who I am. And now you're really actually dealing with these things. So I, I think it's a, it's a real challenge. So yes, forgiveness, great answer. Uh, let's table back here. Uh, learn the interest of your spouse. Okay, see. Because we're all experts on ourselves, right? But many times we're not an expert on, on that person next to us that we say we want to become one with, and we don't really even know what, what they care about, what they're passionate about. So learn the interest of the other, and then try to join in that. Okay, great answer. Back table. Uh, say worship together, or pray, or serve, or... Yeah. Yeah, so, so you know, again, for men, we're kind of wired this way. We do our spiritual life on our own, but actually bringing your spouse into that, whatever that looks like, and sometimes couples feel a little uneven in that, but joining together in that, and whatever that looks like, great answer. But right here in the middle... Okay, understanding their love language is you know a whole other night of talking this, and that's that's the whole idea is that not everybody love doesn't mean the same thing to everybody, you know, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Uh, yes, right here up front. We said drinking coffee together. Oh, I, know, I, I was afraid where you're going when you started with just drinking. And so, <laughs> well, again, I know in the Church of Christ is sitting here drinking coffee. So just drinking coffee, just the act of drinking coffee. You know. Flexible and liking what someone else might like, mm. and um, yeah, just enjoying time, drinking some coffee together. Kind of, kind of relaxing and have, have, not having a big agenda, just kind of spending that time together. <laughs> Y'all don't have children, do you? <laughs> 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 All right, back to back to. <laughs> oh, making decisions together. Making decisions together. You know, again, it seems it seems kind of. To streamline things in some areas, well, you make those decisions, I'll make those decisions. But when you actually come together and make decisions, it can be a powerful thing. Uh, one time I was reading through a book that I quit reading because it was too convicting. But, uh, but it, it, was, it was just, you know, agreeing with your spouse is a powerful thing. And in, in our marriage, it's one of the most powerful things I can do is agree with her about something that I have been resistant on. And not, not just to get along, but to say, you know what, I'm going to take your point of view up. We're going to make that decision. I'm going to take that advance properly. Those are good answers. I, I, good job. I, I appreciate it. And that, you may have gotten your one thing out of that. But I'm going to give you three of my answers as well. And uh, hopefully in the midst of it, we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. So, so the first one is, uh, this, this whole Genesis 24, this one's a little bit... Uh, a little bit of background, foundational blood, but you know, it says for the reason, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. Uh, some of you may have been very familiar with the passage. Used to, a lot of times they would say you need to leave and cleave. You know, you leave your family, cleave to your spouse. Uh, they would kind of use that language that I think it sounded good. Uh, uh, and so, if you're going to become one, it's kind of a two-step process of leaving other things and joining with your spouse. And so there in Genesis, and Paul would say it, and Jesus would say, well, you're going to, you know, that in the Bible says to leave your mother and father. And some of you, you know, clearly did that. Maybe you were young when you got married, and maybe you're even living at home, and you left them literally, physically, and joined with your spouse. And, and I think that's, that's very true. I mean, if you've ever been married to someone who is still more committed to their parents than to your marriage, you know it's hard to become one. That's a real chance. I remember years ago, 
I was telling a group of men that you are the most influential person in your wife's life. I mean, you, the way you respond to her and this and that, it's more influential than anybody else. And a, and a gentleman, he was probably, he's probably in his 60s at the time, which at the time I thought was very old, uh, but now it's very young. But anyway, uh, but he came up to me and said, yeah, that's a good message, but I got to tell you, my wife is still more influenced by her mom than me. And, I, and there was pain in his voice. Because he's saying, you know what, we, we can't be one when she's still more connected, finds her identity, her strength, and her in her family of origin more than this, this one. So it's going to be hard to be one. So so, so leaving your parents, I, I think and maybe that's an issue for somebody, or maybe you can just celebrate that. Uh, uh, over here at our table, a couple talking about being empty nesters. We, we were empty nesters for about a month. And then uh, my wife got the six chickens, four goats, and two dogs, and her mother moved in with us. And uh, anyway, so, uh, so uh, it's, it's, it's a very good thing. It's a very good thing. Um, but if you're a single man, you know a single man in his late 80s, early 90s who is interested, I can, I can work something out. Anyway, that's, uh, uh, but uh, so, so this leaving your spirit, but I don't think it's just, I think we can expand that. Because it's leaving Cleveland, I don't think we should limit it to the parents. Because I, I think I think some of us probably need to maybe leave uh, leave a career or our passions or our interests and join with our spouse. Now I'm not saying you have to leave your job or uh, leave your favorite hobbies, but if you're finding your identity and your strength and your desires going into this, then it's really going to be hard for that marriage to become one because you're you're tied to something else. Your, your passion, your energy is going into something else. So, so you may need to leave uh, a career or a, or a passion or an interest in some way to cleave with your spouse. Uh, I think another one, and this, this one's kind of challenging to say in a group like this, but uh, sometimes a spouse can be a child-centered spouse. They can be so passionate about their children and find such identity from having children and raising those children that the marriage gets put over to the side. Again, I don't want to offend anyone, and I, I want you to be passionate about your children. But it's really easy in marriage for a spouse to become a child-centered spouse because sometimes that's easier than being a spouse-centered spouse. And to, and, to, and to be connected there. And when that happens, i got to tell you again, becoming one is really hard when one of those two, or maybe both, are pouring everything into the children. And, and then one final one I would say is some of us need to not leave your parents or not leave a career or passion or whatever, or not leave your but to leave yourself. Because a self-centered spouse is going to have a really hard time becoming one with the other spouse because it's all about you. And some of y'all said that. A lot of your answers had to do with not being about me. And, and so, so some of us need to leave ourselves in a sense so that we can become one with our spouse. But all those are choices. None of that just happens. You have to choose to leave so you can cleave. And so, so that, that's number one is to leave and cleave. You have to ask yourself, Maybe before I can ever become one, I have to leave something else. Where am I finding my identity? Where am I find my influence? All that sort of stuff. That's number one. So the second point I want to make, and this will help the gentleman back here, and again, this will sound a little bit odd, but I would encourage you as a couple to, uh, to make love at least ten times a day. 
Uh, and, and, and you laugh at that, but I gotta tell you, when my wife and I, like particularly like, if we're on vacation, we're really good at all that, we can make love 15 to 20 times a day. Now, this woman is even more shocked now. You know, your husband's not so bad, right? So um, what I mean by that, it's interesting to me, again, I, I love the English language and just how it works. Why is it that when I said make love, because our culture says that's sexual intercourse? But if you think about it, why would the term making love only be about sexual intercourse? I mean, and so your all's dirty little minds got you. Because what I meant, some of the, like y'all said, love language, all sorts of stuff. Because for me, making love to my wife is as simple as, well, sometimes just randomly, if we're sitting on a couch or in church, just reaching over and holding her hand. That's making love to her. Because that is her love language, and she really appreciates that. Uh, another thing, oh, compromise, that's making love. I mean, that is because you don't, you don't compromise just to get along. You, I'm choosing to compromise because I love my spouse. Uh, words of encouragement, oh, hold it. Uh, what was it over here? Uh, listen and share in conversation. That's, that's making love. That's make, and so it just strikes me that in our culture, in our language, we've, now again, Physical intimacy can be a part of that, but why do we assume that's what making love is? And so when I say to you, make love 10 to 15 times a day, or maybe even more, that means doing the loving thing for your spouse. And i got to tell you that as we do that, that's a powerful thing for your spouse and for you and stuff. And, sir, I would encourage you with, as you do that, the other part tends to get better and easier and more pleasant as well. So... <laughs> <laughs> no wonder y'all had him in the back. But anyway, I'm sorry. But, but, so, so, I, I, just, I just love that, that play on words that we, and so I, I want us to reclaim the term, the, the thought, the image of making love as to expand it beyond just, uh, just physical sexual intercourse to expand any aspect of making love, of, of choosing to love the other person. So I, I agree with that, and I can shock your children, and you can tell them that that's what the guy said at church. Uh, the one-time visiting speaker. Right, so um, so uh, going along with that, then my, that, that's, so that's number two, is, is make love 10 to 15 times a day. Uh, then number three is remind each other of this whole trying to become one. And i got to tell you, like I said, with the unique handle, it doesn't just happen. I mean, it's a, it's a lifetime, it's a series of choices. Uh, and I appreciate y'all being married for, what, what was it, uh, 60, 65 years. Well, my, my parents uh, live right over here on Della Drive. Uh, they've been married for over 70 years. And I, I can't speak for you all, but I can speak for my parents in saying length of time doesn't automatically mean oneness. Just because you're together a long time doesn't automatically make you one. It's, it's a choice. It's, it's an ongoing thing, and, 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 and there's things to go with that. And so one of the things I would encourage you to do is remind each other about this. And say, hey, you know, our, our goal isn't just to last a long time. Our goal isn't just to keep our children out of jail. Our goal isn't just to make sure our relatives think we're okay. No, there's a bigger goal than that for marriage. And that bigger goal, according to Scripture, is to become one. Is to become one. And I think that's a powerful thing when it happens. So... Remind each other of that. So I want to encourage you to find a way, find something that's just your all's that reminds each other of this. So for my wife and I, we just, again, we've been at this for a while, 
And so we've come up with two things I want to share with you. I'm not saying you should do these things, but they're just an example of things, a way to remind each other about it. And so, and again, believe me, the reason my wife isn't here is because everything I say sounds like it really happens. And if she was here, going like, we never do that. I, didn't, I don't want that. But so I, I, in no way am I trying to say we've got it down, okay? But here's what we do. I have a quarter here. Years ago, we came up with this. So we just use a quarter to remind each other of, of, of the we're in this together. And so, uh, and we pick the quarter because there's two sides to a coin, and there are two sides to us, Joe and Pam, okay? And, you know, and so there's that piece of it. Uh, on, on a quarter, it says liberty on it. And we believe that in our marriage, in our great union, and as we become one, there's more and more liberty actually within that. It, it, one of us, we don't lose our identity, we actually gain so much more. Uh, also on the quarter, it says, in God we trust. And so there's a sense that we're not in this alone, that he's with us. And, and there's some other things. And they started making those state quarters that really got, got confusing for us. But, but that, that still works for us. And so we just leave quarters around for each other. If I'm going to, maybe just be in the morning, I'm getting ready to leave, I'll go ahead and put, pick up my wallet and there'll be a quarter sitting on top of it and stuff. Uh, uh, you know, uh, my wife will sometimes if I'm going out of town or something, she'll she'll you know arrange them around. But sometimes on her side of the bed, I'll just spell out her name. It's a short name. It's it's not that big of a deal. Pam is pretty easy for me. But we'll just we just we've been doing this for over a decade. We've just been leaving quarters around for each other, just kind of constantly reminding each other we're in this together. It's not a big thing. It's just reminding us. And then the thing that that has really been the in some ways, the best thing that we've kind of brought into our marriage is, is this, uh, this thing that we call a six-second hug. And again, I just read it in a book somewhere. Uh, you know, I just thought, hey, honey, I, I just read this. What do you think about it? And we just started doing this thing. And, and for us, uh, it, it, it's, just, it's just hugging each other for six seconds. And uh, she's a little bit shorter than me, so a step is really handy. But we're in a house that has several steps. And so many times, we'll just kind of just kind of... I'm mean, sorry, I'm making eye contact with a guy, but anyway, <laughs> but you know, we'll just kind of nod to each other, and we run over to a step, and we just hug each other. We kind of fit that way. She's up on the step, and and we hug, and and we just—it's a nice, close, full-on hug, and we just—it's usually—it's usually not six seconds. It's usually more like 20 seconds, and we just hold each other. Sometimes we talk, sometimes we don't, but it's just a reminder to us that we're in this together. Her mother now lives with us, thinks it's a little weird. <laughs> we don't do this in public. We're not like that. But, but you know, we, we just we just want to. So actually, as I was getting ready to leave, I thought, well, I'm going to do this, you know, try to make it look like I'm actually doing these things. And so I said, hey, you know, before I leave, she's holding it. And we just run over to a step, and we're holding each other. And I said to her, I said, what does this do for you? Because like this gentleman back here, I know what it does for me. Okay, so I mean, I mean, I just like holding my wife. That feels, you know, it's, and so I said, what does this do for you? And she said, it feels like a deep breath for our marriage. It's just like, yes, we're in this together. So for us, leaving a quarter on a pillow or, or on a countertop, actually the good thing about the quarter is sometimes we don't even mean it. And they think that we just complimented them. I, said, I, mean, I mean, I've lost a lot of change in my life thinking that I'm, you know, trying to remind her. But anyway, that's a whole other deal. And then the, the, these hugs, it's just, it's that for us that reminds us we're in this together. And, and even if we don't say anything, we say a ton. We say a ton. How do two become one? The Apostle Paul, when he quotes it, he goes, "It's a great mystery." 
And, you know, it, it doesn't just happen. It's, it's a great ministry. So let's wrap up with this. And we're going to be done before 730. So let's wrap up with a few thoughts on this as we conclude this. So, and again, I've been here just not even, well, right at about two hours. I've met some people, been around this group. And, uh, again, i got some bad news for you. Uh, from my just casual observation, I don't think most of you all can pull this off. I mean, you know, on your own, I don't think you can become one. Now, that's actually good news because you were never intended to do this on your own. Back to right down here, this idea of the horizontal and the vertical. This was, God didn't say, you all to become one. Go for it. He says, I think he invites us into this thing of if you want to become one, you're going to need to bring me into it because on your own, it's going to be a struggle. I, I often say to people in the Christian, you know, I, I do adult spiritual development. I got to tell you, God's way ahead of us because being married, and particularly if you're raising children, those are the two biggest discipleship programs of all time because you can't do that on your own. Well, you can, you're just not going to do it real well. And so what I'm saying to you is to truly become one, if you all try to do it just on your own, it's probably not going to happen. You really need God's inspiration, his presence, and his strength. But the good news is he wants to do that. He wants to come along with you and do that. Uh, but it's going to take something. It's going to take a little bit of trust. So, uh, Kevin, if you don't mind, I mean, you brought me here. Can you come and help me with a little uh, illustration? We've not thought about this or practiced it at all. But uh, this could be, how long have you been here? 30 years. Yeah, so. this could be it. All right, so anyway, so, uh, so, uh, so it's going to require trust to in your spouse, but even more in God to do this to becoming one. So, again, in the ministry world, if you're going to try to illustrate trust, how do you illustrate trust? Anybody, how do you illustrate trust? Trust falls. Trust falls. Trust falls. Thank you very much. And he gets goofy answers, but he gives one as well. So, so, so a trust falls, a classic illustration of trust. You're familiar with it, so I'm you sure. you trust me to catch you. No, no, no. I got the microphone. All right, so, so, so in, just, in, just, in just a minute, I'm going to ask Kevin. He's going to turn his back to me. And I'm going to ask him just to stay rigid and just allow himself to fall backwards, trusting that I will catch him. Okay? All right? And, and again, to hit, you know, to his, as he thinks through it in his mind right now, well, when the guy doesn't want to drop me, that would look bad and this and that. You know, we haven't paid him yet. So, I mean, <laughs> so my sense is you probably try, and I'm not going to let you go very far. You trust me in that way? I'll give it a shot. All right, you give it a shot. So, so turn around, turn around. Uh, you, you know, again, the big thing is that you want to, oh, there is that. Okay, so I'll go ahead and take that now. So, okay, in just a second, I'm going to say, and just, just stay rigid, fall back, I'll catch you. Okay, are you ready? Yeah. Okay, uh, let's just count him down to three, count him three, two, one, and he'll do it as you all do it. Okay. Three, three two, two, one. Jumped into that. <laughs> so you showed a lot of trust in that. Okay, and I'll say to you that in the same way, when God says, you know, trust me on this, you have to jump right in like Kevin and say, I I'll do that. So, because for some of you, but you have some of forgiveness. Some of your forgiveness is scary, but God very clearly says to forgive your spouse. And and again, I know there's all sorts of. Things, well, you don't understand my situation. But for the general rule, he says to forgive one another. And that's really scary, but he, he was willing to trust in doing that. Or some of you, it's just hard to be encouraging. But God, it's clear that God wants you to encourage certainly your spouse. So are you going to trust him in that? Or 
that whole idea of love keeps no record of wrongs. Some of you are expert record keepers, <laughs> particularly of what they did and stuff. But if you're going to let that go, that's going to be scary, so you have to trust them in that. All right, so you did great with that. Before you leave, though, I want to illustrate it another way. Uh, I, uh, I have a... I have a... No, I should have had this ready to go. My bad. Okay, so I got a... I got a, a rat trap here, not a mouse trap, a rat trap, because I can do things big. So hang on to that. So here's a, ooh, where is it? Uh, I had a, oh, here it is. I got a plastic uh, knife that I borrowed from you all. So so uh, this was no big deal. So if you, if you would, just with your plastic knife, go ahead and hit the, hit the thing. And, no, no, oh, my God. <laughs> We're going to pick up the other piece. We don't want to have the people get upset with us from the way we left them. So that was, okay, so you can sit that down. Or you put it, yeah, put it there. I'll get it. Okay, so, uh, so, all right, so Kevin, uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, are you left-handed or right-handed? <laughs> right. <laughs> so what I'm going to encourage you to do is with your left hand, because, I mean, I mean, really, you got ten fingers. Who needs all of them? So, with your left hand, if you would just reach out with your left hand and hit the trigger with that. This feels a little bit scared of the trust fall. Agree? That feels wrong somehow. So, but I mean, you're like very hesitant to do that, right? I'm not hesitant. I will not. <laughs> <laughs> no. Go ahead. Right, so, but, but, trust me on this. Because, right? again, think about this. Why would I want to do something in front of these people that would physically harm you? I, I'm trying to figure that out. I know. <laughs> but I, you're having a... a not, for a laugh. For a laugh. No, no. Maybe they were hurting him. I wouldn't want to do that. You're not going to do it. Because see, this is hard. The trust fall, you trust me. This just seems too risky, right? You trust me? Uh, <laughs> you don't understand how this works. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I tell you what, I will. I, I'll, hmm. Do, is anybody willing to try this? Hmm. It's easy to laugh at him. <laughs> so, so, so here's the thing: is it got to a place where you didn't trust me? enough to do that. It seems too risky. Right. Sure. And I'll say in marriage, there's places, and forgiveness may be one of those, or vulnerability. Ooh, that's a big one. Are you going to risk being open and honest with your spouse? And you say, Lord, that's just too much. And so we pull back. Okay. But, but really what it comes down to is the crisis in trust right here. He, he doesn't... Now, if God was holding this and asking you, what would you do? Okay, yeah, don't answer that <laughs> So here's the point. Uh, actually, I, I took the spring off of it, and so it was it was unloading. But that's okay because I, I I wouldn't do it either. So, so, but thank you. You can be seated now, untrustworthy one. <laughs> See, it's easy in the church to talk about trust when it's easy to do. But when I up the ante to the cost, and I'm totally with you, because the first time somebody did this with me, I, I just I got I, I said no, I won't do that. Because I don't trust enough. Even though the guy said, if we were in a room by ourselves, I thought this guy could just be a maniac. I didn't know him. 
But I just, I just didn't trust him nothing. I got to tell you, I think in marriage, as we're going along, things are doing pretty good, and all of a sudden there's that sense of I need to forgive, I need to be vulnerable, I need to be honest, I need to uh, be more encouraging, I need to stop this, I need to start that. And there's something that's called the voice of Satan says, don't do that, don't trust that. And we go, well, I know God's saying that, but no, 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 I can't. And that's when the two becoming one stops. And, and I think it's in those scary times where we go, well, I'm guessing you all sing this hymn every now and then. Trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust. And I would say that would be true in marriage. Is can I trust, not necessarily the other person completely, because Kevin had reason not to trust. He doesn't know me that well. But when God says, this is how to love your spouse, I need to say, yes. I, I will trust you in that. Now, again, every situation is unique and every situation is different. But i got to tell you, when we trust God to give us the humility and the strength and the power to love passionately, openly, in the right way towards the right person and all this sort of stuff, that's what marriage is about. And that's what you desire. Here's the question is, do you desire it enough to trust God and make it, make it true in your marriage? Let's close with prayer. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the chance to be here together. I thank you that you're more believable than I am for Kevin. And, uh, and you're not trying to hurt us or trap us or even make us scared. But you are trying to invite us out of our apathy, our insecurities, our fear, our uncertainty to live and love boldly. Lord, all these things we pray in Jesus' precious name. I pray that you go with these couples and that you help them with their one thing, that they may have the courage to, to play it out in their marriage. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. conversation to have the, the one thing conversation tonight. Thank you again for being here. Um, this was, I, I hope it was something that you enjoyed it enough for you to sign up again for it next year. You know, we can do this again. But thanks a lot. You know what I really appreciate about our group tonight? We have Ken and Lee here who've been 65 years. In fact, this table I think is 157 years of marriage. probably have another table back here somewhere that may be about 10, you know, which is which is really cool. So thanks for this intergenerational kind of activity that we can do as a church family. Um, so just kind of clean your tables off when you're done, and we'll we got a few people that'll pick these up and take care. Go get your kids. There, thank the thank the care the child care people up there and back in here uh, for their work. They did this voluntarily, so we appreciate that. Thanks to Christina. Especially for decorating and managing food. And, um, <laughs> be warm and filled and go in peace. Enjoy your hands.